Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible and, and go with me to the book of John chapter 8. I know we are maybe a little later than we're used to on a Sunday morning, so I'm going to do my best to deliver what I feel like the Lord wants me to say in a, in a timely fashion this morning. Amen. Will you stay with me? Will you preach with me for just a few minutes? Amen. John chapter 8, I'm going to be reading for you verses 33 through 36. But just to set the tone for you, Jesus is at the temple and uh, he's teaching and the Pharisees are, quite frankly, challenging what he does and what he says in every single way. Everything he says, they seem to have something to, to say in return. And so it's this Back and forth between Jesus, who knows all, and the Pharisees who think they know all. But I want to draw from the text that Jesus is telling everyone in attendance the very uh, purpose for his, his being there is that he is on a mission to save the lost. In verse 12, it says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me walks not in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So he starts his conversation by saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm here to do. I am the light of the world. And I bring the light of life with me. And so again, the Pharisees don't like it. They think he's crazy. They, they literally ask, is this man about to commit suicide? What is it that he is he's talking about with some of his, his verbiage here? What does this mean? But in verse 33 through 36, it says, they answered him saying, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Everybody say free indeed. Amen. It's an absolute this morning, free indeed. Jesus is saying that you may not belong to another man. You may not have ever served as a slave in the traditional sense, but you, my friends, belong to sin. You are a slave to the sin in your life. A slave doesn't live like a son enjoying the fruits of labor. It doesn't get the benefits of living in a father's house. A slave works constantly just to exist. Their purpose and the benefit of their work are all tied together in the fact that there is none except to work. A slave does the laboring. But he says, I'm telling you, if I make you free today, you are free. You are free. I mean, if we believe in that freedom today, then we must also believe in Romans 8, 15, which says this, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. I hope you understand today that Jesus takes us from slave to child. He takes us from a place of, of nothing but labor, nothing but hardship to a place of blessing and anointing. Amen. And when he does, we should cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. We should worship him today. We are not to be fearful slaves, but the children of God. 
Amen. Do we still believe in this house today that God sets captives free? Come on, somebody. Do you believe that God sets captives free today? Amen. God still delivers. God still sets people free. Do we want to be free from bondage in every way today? Do we want to be free from bondage in every way today? I know I'm talking to the church today, and you're going to understand in just a minute why I keep asking these questions that seem uh, monotonous, and they seem as if there's no purpose in a church church this morning. But I'm here to tell you that we have allowed certain things to enslave us that have no business in the life of a child of God. Amen. All across this place, why don't you lift your hands with me? Why don't you lift your voice with me? Let's go to Jesus in prayer one last time, just that he would open our hearts and our minds, that he would bless the remainder of this service. Lord, right now, God, I pray that you would enter this room, Jesus, that you'd begin to speak, you begin to touch, heal men, Lord, every heart in need. Lord, as we draw close to you, God, I pray that you'd pour your spirit out on us. Lord, I pray that you would deliver us, God, that there would be something inside of us stirred today to action. More than just words, more than just Sunday service, but change in your name. Amen. Amen. You could take a seat this morning. Leave your Bibles open with me if you would. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you under the simple title, Dream. Dream. Dream is a very simple word. It's the one thing I did not get last night as your young people decided that they were going to sell over $1,500 worth of pretzels and truffles. Amen. Praise God. It's a simple thing that, you know, today I really wish I had a good one to tell you about, but I don't. There's very little rest, and so if I fall asleep mid-sins, throw a songbook at me or something. Uh, I'm not above saying I need my beauty sleep, and so I am a step behind this morning. I also want to thank all of those that came out and helped last night. But uh, the word dream has several definitions, and we'll, we'll touch on uh, some of those this morning, one of which is something that you have wanted very much to do, be, or have for a long time. Another definition says a series of thoughts, visions, and feelings during sleep. I am a dreamer. I am someone that catches myself daydreaming often about the things in life I want, the life I, I, I want to live. I have my dream house. I have my, my dream truck. I have my dream farm. I have my dream church. Everything I can, I could, if I could draw to save my life, if I could draw you anything other than a stick figure, I could draw it all out for you this morning. I know exactly what I want because I dream about it. I think about it. It's something that I want, something I spend a great deal of time investing my my mental efforts into. I imagine them to the point that in my mind, I can almost touch them. Some of these things I, I would say I even love, and because of that, I love to dream. Do you ever just find yourself just kind of drifting away sometimes into something completely different than where you are? And then you have to come back to reality, and you're like, man, that was a lot better over there. Anybody else ever like that? Amen. I can just, you know, in, in my mind, I, I think of daydreaming or being asleep, 
and it's just almost heaven, uh, heaven sent. I'm, you know, in my truck on my way from my dream farmhouse to my dream church, drinking my dream cup of coffee. I dream about these things until I'm either, you know, slapped in the face asking for apple juice or woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning saying, babe, did you lock the doors? Yes, I locked them last week. Let me sleep, right? I'm, I'm dreaming here. I've got something on my mind. And so we're awakened from these, these moments, and it's just wham, the dream is taken from you. The dream disappears. You, you fall back asleep, or you try to get back to sleep so you can continue this, this other dimension that you're in, and it's just, it's just gone. You're daydreaming, and the phone rings at work, and you pick it up, and you put it back down, and you're like, well, that moment's over. We find these dreams just, just being taken away from us, and no matter how hard we try, we just can't get back to where we were. It's over. It's, it's final. Having our vision taken from us is one of the most frustrating uh, things we can imagine as a dreamer. Worse than that is having a dream that you can't understand. Anybody have one of those? Where you know there's got to be something to it. It's just too weird to be anything else. There's got to be something to it. But you just can't seem to figure it out. And so in talking of dreams today, I want to draw to your attention one of the, the most famous dreamers of, of all time, as in Joseph, found in, in Genesis 37. And I want to read uh, portions of his story to you today and interject from, from time to time. But Joseph had a dream. And he told to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down before me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I, your brothers, indeed come to bow down uh, to the earth before you? Jumping down to verse 18. Through 20, it says, now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, let us now kill him and cast him into the pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what becomes of his dreams. Now, these are brothers talking about a brother here. They are willing to destroy him because of their hatred, not just for him, but of his dreams that the Lord has put in his mind. And quite honestly, if you read the story, I don't think Joseph completely understands the meaning of the dreams other than that apparently his brothers shall, shall fall before him. And so we, we know if you continue in the story that his brothers do not kill him. Instead, they throw him in a pit and sell him slavery. Big win, right? How could it and uh, in, in many scenarios, I would say that would almost be worse than death, depending on the situation that you find yourself in. 
But can you imagine being Joseph and feeling that feeling of just finality in that? You are shackled. You are chained. You are, are, are being drugged away to a faraway place. You've been sold by your brothers. There's seemingly no way of coming back to that. Many of you know, by profession, I am in, uh, in sales. And, uh, you know, Brother Bryce, we've even gone to some, some trainings together in regards to sales. And, uh, you know, they, they teach you a lot in these trainings. They teach you how to, how to talk to people, proper handshake, proper eye contact, how to make small talk, how to find out from the moment you walk in the door if someone has any interest in actually talking to you or if you're, quite frankly, wasting your time. They, they teach you all these things. They, uh, they, they teach you so much that, quite frankly, uh, there's no wonder there's so many different types of, of salesmen with different personalities and all of these things. But uh, some of my favorite, favorite sales tips, if you ever want to go into sales, here you go. You can write these down. Never ask a question you don't want an answer to. If you're in sales and you don't want them to say no, don't lead them to the word no. Next thing I would tell you, target their pain points. If you see a stack of papers this high on their desk and you're selling organizational equipment, you found it, my friend. Find whatever makes their job the hardest and find out how to solve it. And I promise you, you have no problem with selling whatever it is you're selling. Improve their process. And a third one I'll give you, which is similar to number one, is never ask a question that closes conversation. Can you imagine if your first question out of the gate is, hi, I'm Christian, nice to meet you, here's who I am, here's what I do, would love to sit down and talk to you. They, they say yes, you walk into their office and they're like, so do you have any interest in, in, in looking at the products that my company sells? And they say no. Okay, thank you, have a good day. Like it's over. It's final. That word, it, it closes every opportunity you once had in just a moment. It's over from there on. There's nothing more uh, humiliating than being told no and not being able to recover. Not being able to, to go any further in the process and what you're trying to get them to. You lose. Get out of there. Like, forget you ever went there. Temporarily, at least. till you get some pride back, I guess. But the feeling of a final defeat, when you hear a word like no in sales, it's, it's awful. Few things could seem more final uh, in the story of Joseph than being drugged away from your home in these chains. Slavery would feel, uh, leave us feeling alone, without motivation, little hope, and ultimately defeated by your captor. Many of us, myself included, would even say slavery is kind of an end. It's, it's, it's almost final. In many cases, it is final. And we say that. We say it's game over because they are bound. They are chained. They are not of their free will anymore. They are being drugged around or forced to go certain directions. They are stuck, and they are forced to labor for something that they have no passion for. We look back at our text in John chapter 8 and see the people around Jesus saying, we aren't slaves. Jesus, is, you know, he's telling them, like, hey, you're... You're a slave to sin. Like, we're descendants of Abraham. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, don't you know who I am? I'm not, I'm not a slave here. 
And we recognize that these people can't see that they are bound by a life of sin as Jesus is trying to lead them to. And so today, I feel in my heart that there are some here today that may be coming to the realization that you are living a life or have lived a life that have led you into a, a bondage situation with sin. And I know our mind immediately goes to someone that has been away from the Lord for some time and has lost their way altogether. But I wonder how many of us sitting in this room, and this is hypothetical this morning, I wonder how many of us sitting in this room today have a battle that we are fighting in secret with a sin that we cannot control. I wonder how often we feel as if it is over. We feel as if it is final. We are chained. We are shackled. And even though the Lord says he's there for us, we struggle to find the salvation that he promises us because of the situation we are in. I feel that, that many of us have struggles that we rather not talk about, and quite frankly, we struggle to even pray about. But I want someone to know that my master, the one I serve today, not as a slave, but as a true servant, is the light of the world. I want you to know he still sets captives free, and there's nothing that could ever bind you on heaven, earth, or hell that he can't control, that he doesn't have dominion over. And so today, you are living a free life due to the love that he gives us. You are not destined today to be a slave. You just haven't interpreted your dream yet. Think of Joseph. Here he is. He's on his way to Egypt. He's in shackles, and he has these dreams. But, but how... God, how can, how can my brothers be bowing to me? How could, what does your dream mean if I'm the one that is forced to bow to someone else? How, how can this be that I'm the one that's under uh, enemy control today? I want you to know that you have more favor and power inside of you than all of hell has put together. You just need to see who your master is and that he's sowing into your life, even though it seems like the world around you is falling apart. Simply put, the devil thinks he's got some of us today. He thinks he's got us bound. He thinks he's got us in a difficult uh, situation. And what you don't understand is that God sees you just like Satan does. And the Lord is working on your behalf, and he's taking you to a place that no one else can if you will just serve him faithfully, if you will realize the situation you are in, if you will turn to him and realize that you are free indeed, amen, there's nothing that he can't do for you. For the sake of time, I'm going to uh, give you more of a synopsis of some of our texts today found in Genesis. But Joseph has been taken to Egypt, and he's serving in the house of Potiphar. And in this home, he... He, the Bible tells us that Potiphar found favor in him almost immediately because he could see that the favor of God was on him. The favor of God was on a slave. The favor of God was on someone that was bound. The favor of God was on someone that, quite frankly, the, the rest of the world would have ignored as just someone lowly and incapable of even freedom. God still had favor on him. So Joseph, again, you know, he finds favor in the midst of his brothers. He's sold into slavery. Now he finds favor in the presence of his captor. 
And we know the, the story continues that Potiphar's wife uh, lusts after, after Joseph and, quite frankly, chases him for some time and eventually has him thrown into prison for false accusations. Joseph, quite frankly, was despised for his gifts everywhere he went. We saw the words of his brothers in chapter 37 when they, they say, look at this dreamer coming. I can't wait to see what comes of his dreams. They're snide. They're, they're looking at him in a way that's unfavorable. They are trying to hurt him. He was different than they were. And so because of that, uh, they didn't like the favor on him, so they wanted to minimize his impact. Potiphar's wife couldn't stand out having him, so she set out to ruin him. Shortly after, he was in prison, and, and then again, the warden favors him. Everything he touches, it seems like the, that God's hand is on. Even in the midst of turmoil, even in the, the bad things in his life, God is still evident in his situation. We look at our text in, in John chapter 8, and Jesus is going toe-to-toe with Pharisees that are like, uh, you're wrong, I'm right. And Jesus is like, bud, I'm about to show you what's up. But even then, we see that it gets so heated that these Pharisees, these religious leaders are willing to stone Jesus. It says that they are gathering stones, and Jesus sneaks away. That's how heated this moment is. And so my point in, in all of this is when you carry the power that you carry, and you decide that you can't be bound by sin or circumstance, the shackles sometimes seem very heavy. They seem as if you can't quite shake them off. I don't understand this, God. I'm doing my best. All I I did is say what you gave me. Why do they hate me so much? Some of us know what it's like to be hated for the things we say. Some of us are lucky enough not to know that. God, I work so hard. Why are they lying on me? Why are they telling these these stories and these accusations? Why am I being imprisoned in this awful place for something that I didn't do? I don't see anything resembling the dream that you gave me, God. Why am I here? But may I remind you that Joseph was a slave who was put into a position of power, and Jesus got away to preach again. And so today you might not be seeing uh, things that you, may, you, you understand. You may not understand your surroundings and why it feels like the world is caving in around you. It may uh, feel as if God is pulling on heartstrings that you didn't know you had. And you may not understand just yet, but dream anyway. Serve anyway. Sing anyway. Praise him anyway. Someone needs to pray anyway. Even when you don't see it, you need to get in the presence of God. Because I'm telling you, even the slaves find favor when they align themselves with Jesus Christ. I still believe that he sets captives free. And the way we do that is by getting his attention this morning. So clean the church. Greet that visitor. Live the way that God has led you to live. We need to know today that hell can't quiet what God tells to speak, and he can't kill what God says to live. We view Satan as this adversary that has control over life, and he doesn't. God controls life. Satan just makes it miserable at times. We have to dream on as Joseph would dream. You you keep living for the Lord. when, When you do, favor follows everything you touch. You serve him in nothing else because if you continue to live for God, you will see even in the dark moments he's still there. 
I look around and I see families that have lost loved ones. I see parents who have kids that they pray for daily to come back home. But I think each one of them would stand and testify and tell you the goodness of God. Why? Because even though there's some things that hurt them and maybe even bind them in some ways, God is still God and God still looks out for his people. When you serve the Lord and cling to what he gives you, even in the dark times, it sets you up for the fulfillment of a life you never thought possible. Why? Because whom the Son sets free is... Even when it doesn't look like it, if he says free, then we are free. You aren't a slave to sin. You are a child of God this morning. We continue in the story of Joseph. He's in prison where he meets a, a baker and a cupbearer, and they have these dreams that, that Joseph tells them, you know, I don't necessarily know what they mean, but if you give them to the Lord, he'll tell me. And so they do, and Joseph tells them, and you know they kind of scoff a little bit, but before long, just as he had, had told them, Baker dies, and the cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh's house to continue serving as he did. When he goes, he tells him that, you know, I'm, I'm never going to forget this, Joseph. I'll never forget. I, whenever I get to Pharaoh's house, I'm going to be sure to tell him of the, the good things that have, that have happened here. The Bible says two years later, Two years of waiting in a prison before word ever comes. But finally, Joseph gets his shot, and he's brought before Pharaoh, and he's asked to interpret a dream. And because of the, the dream that he's able to interpret for Pharaoh, he finds favor in his sight and ultimately is made second command over the entire country. One of the most powerful empires in human history he's given the keys to. And so when we look at the life of, of Joseph today, I, I have to ask you, uh, is there anyone in the house today that, that daily wants new life? Is there anyone who wakes up every day and just prays for a, a fresh start? Joseph was a slave boy who no one could have respected, who received the, the name from an Egyptian pharaoh that made him someone that everyone respected. And so today, it's amazing the transformation that God can make. From a young, pompous boy to second in command in all of Egypt, Joseph, uh, his life looked completely different than he would have ever imagined based off of the dreams he had. But he held on to them, and he used them, and he used what God gave him. He met obstacles, yes, but the reality is that God transformed Joseph from a boy to a man started with a dream, but it went so much further than that. It was a lifelong dream that, that he wouldn't understand for, for quite some time. Whenever we put our life in God's hands, there will be transformation. Romans 8 even tells us that he does uh, this with intention, not to uh, you know, leave us re uh, remaining the same, but to act as his child. He says, you're no longer a slave to fear. You are you are mine, and because of that, you call me Abba, Father. Right? There's a, there's a great change that, that takes place here. When you think of the word slave, I'd say there's really no greater transformation but that of a slave 
being set free, except that of a slave to sin, becoming a servant of Christ. Why do you say that today, Christian? Why would you say that a slave to sin going to uh, a servant of God is the most drastic transformation of all time? Because I don't know of any other transformation you could show me where you literally go from death to life. I don't know of any other thing in all of, of, of human existence where you could go from death to life. But Jesus offers that to us. Jesus gives us that. What does John 8, 12 say? We read it just a little bit ago. I am the light of the world. He that follows me walks not in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I mean, he gives that to us. He gives you life. And so what do we call dreams? What do we call our bucket list? We call them life goals. He gives us life in exchange for the, the slavery, the bondage, the hurt, the pain, the sin that we live in. I mean, he does that because he loves us. And so today, if you need direction and if you need transformed, it only comes from a pursuit of Jesus Christ. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new identity. He, he gives us a new dream that he can and will fulfill today. To give you specific examples, Saul was a, a, a slave to hatred. He hated Christians. When Jesus finally got a hold of him, he was on a mission to round them up. But Saul became Paul whenever Jesus got a hold of him. Don't tell me Jesus can't set captives free. Don't tell me that Jesus doesn't look at the slaves and see an opportunity to work in. Zacchaeus was a slave to greed. But by the time Jesus was done, he gave generously. Peter denied. Peter lied, but he preached at the day of Pentecost. Amen. Jesus has a habit of taking those who are bound and enslaved and setting them free, not just with intent to say, okay, run along now. No, he says, now you're mine. Now you're walking in the light, and I have a mission for you. So if there's something we're needing, if there's a direction we're needing from the Lord, it only comes from this transformation. I think it's important that everyone knows in this entire room that Jesus wants to transform us today. Would our music come? What do you do with freedom? We put our our minds and that of a slave today. What do you do with newfound freedom? What do you do when, when the life you've lived is turned upside down and the things that hurt you no longer hurt you and the things that bound you no longer bind you? Our text today reminds us that Jesus came to set us free, that we are his children, and there's no place for the mentality of sin-bound. Joseph pushed on as the Lord gave him the means. He didn't allow his circumstances to change his dream, only to teach him what he'd need to know for what was to come. Through all the struggle and pain, God has positioned Joseph for something greater than he could ever imagine. Even this boy staying in the fields, almost mocking his brothers, never imagined that he'd be found in Egypt. He never imagined that he would have the power that, that he would have. 
Only in his dreams would anyone bow to him. But God took the captive, and he didn't just set him free. He made him free indeed. It was absolute. It was final. He prepared him for something that no one could take away. So maybe today someone is here holding on to a promise. Maybe you're holding on to a dream that God has given you, and you've been wondering for some time, looking for the fulfillment, thinking it doesn't make sense. How can I be here when you're saying there? How can I be in this place? How can I be bound by this, but you say I'm free, and how do I, how do I get to where you're calling me, Lord? I, I just can't make sense of this. The obstacles in life don't leave room for what you are telling me. Maybe through some hardship, you found yourself bound and tormented by sin. It's not too late. It's never too late in the kingdom of God. I mean, would you stand with me today? We are the children of God. And God's not done with us yet. I believe that that my God still restores, and I believe that my God still equips at any stage of life. Ultimately, God will bring you to the place he's destined for you, no matter how long ago it was. If I can offer this simple reminder to you today, why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save the lost. But yet we say that that Jesus died for all on the cross. You know what that lets me know? No offense to anyone here, we're all sinners. (laughs) We've all been bound. We've all been tied up, beat up, left for dead by the mean old devil. But I'm here to tell you, he still sets us free. He's in this place to do just that today. That includes each one of us. Don't let identity of who you've been keep you from reaching who you are to be. Don't be tricked into thinking that bondage of sin and grave can't be conquered. Today, I wish someone would just just choose to be free. And I know that sounds naive this morning. I know what I'm saying. I know, you know, oh, well, if, if all I had to do is just choose it, if I could just handpick what I wanted to be Christian, I think I would not choose sin, all right? Don't insult my intelligence, but simply put, I wish someone would choose to be free. I wish someone would let go of the things that have identified them for far too long. Let go of the sin that has bound them from doing what God has intended them to do for, for all too long. And just dream. Just go after the Lord in thought and spirit. Love him, pursue him. Whatever it is he's called you to do, begin doing it in the name of Jesus. Choose to be free, but then dare to dream. Dare to do what only God could orchestrate or lead you to do. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.